Uh, this reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 to 3 and 6 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors when dividing the plunder. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The next reading is taken from chapter 11, verse 1 to 9. The branch from Jesse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord. I'm just wrecking the joint, bear with me. You need to look at your feet. <laughs> Is the life we're living worth Christ dying for? Is the life we're living worth Christ dying for? There's a question for us to ponder as we explore these passages in Isaiah in relation to Christ the King Sunday. For as you know, that's what we're celebrating today. Colin has explained and we've heard what Christ the King Sunday is, but here's a little bit more of the background history. It was instituted in 1925 by Pope Pius XI to be celebrated among the Universal Church. 
He connected the increasing rise of secularism in Europe to the denial to acknowledge Christ as king. We have spent time, especially this year, commemorating and remembering the First World War. The impact on humanity is hard to comprehend for us now, perhaps even harder then. 1925 was thus a time of uncertainty, of grieving and of confusion. People were trying to understand and make some sort of sense of the atrocities of the Great War. How it had happened, why it had happened, and they were left with some deep searching questions. A large part of the questioning revolved around authority, leadership, and ultimately, power. Populism was powerful and convincing, and dictators were seizing the day. There was mistrust of those in charge, and God's people were shaken and uncertain. Where was God? Who was God? In whom could they trust? And so Christ the King Sunday was introduced to remind the people of God in whom they could trust, who had ultimate authority, who was their sovereign. It was designed to refocus their hearts and minds on the ever-present, ever-loving and ever-merciful God. As I researched this, I was struck, as you might be too, on the similarities of that time and this. Christians in disunity, gay marriage, the rise of populism, Trump, Brexit, increased conflicts with those different to ourselves, verbal and physical abuse of the LBGTI communities, and the mistrust of anyone in authority. Fake news abounds. Have we too lost sight of Christ the King? Is this what the kingdom looks like without the King? Is this our opportunity to take a chance this morning, to step out of time and space and attempt to gain a God perspective? Social commentators and academic theologians tell us we are living in a post-Christian culture where the relevance of Christianity is hard to see and even harder to live in our day-to-day -day lives. We are a minority. Individualism is king. Strangely enough, this excites me. It reminds me of the desert fathers and mothers of the third century. They were living at a time when the Roman Empire decided to make Christianity the state religion. And in doing so, they had lost the precepts of the faith, putting the love of God first, loving acceptance of the other, inclusivity, service and sacrificial community. 
They went back to basics and reclaimed the truth of the gospel. They knew that Christ was king, and they lived by his love and his grace. When God's people are up against it, they have a choice to remember to depend and rely on the love and grace that is freely offered by God. They are reminded that ultimately it is God that has the first and the last word. In the desert, either literal or metaphorical, we pant for the living water, the truth. We wait on God. In this liminal space, God is free to work powerfully. Are we in such a time as this? I heard this description recently which resonated with me, so I'm going to share it with you. In our life, we function out of three buckets. Meaning, freedom, and community. In the West, we have oodles of freedom. Loads and loads of choice. Take coffee, for example. You can have a coconut water iced coffee, Iced coffee with condensed milk, coffee mocha punch, coffee and chocolate chia seed, Nutella mocha coffee, not to mention latte, flat white, cappuccino, or just plain black. But then you have a choice of coffee bean. So, much choice. Too much choice? Do we have choice overload? This is an actual scholarly term, and many articles have been written on it if you would like to look it up. How does having so much choice make you feel? Privileged? Confused? Overwhelmed? Anxious? In contrast, our buckets holding meaning and community are depleted. Young people especially are desperately searching for meaning to their lives. Look at the rise of secular spirituality. Communities are fragmented. Loneliness and mental health problems are on the rise. Even the government recognises this as they now have a minister for loneliness. Working in a school... I see firsthand what a lack of identity, a lack of meaning, and a lack of belonging looks like. The children come to see me with stress, anxiety, and depression. I realise this all sounds incredibly negative. Sometimes you have to say what you see, and it's not always pretty. And it would be depressing if that's all there was. But, and there is a huge but, as people who know the love of God, as people who have experienced transformation through a relationship with the Father, we have the greatest gift to offer our generation. Isaiah 9 verse 2, We are the people who walked in darkness and have seen a great light. Not the pink, orange and green flashing neon lights of some glitzy advertisement, 
but the pure, piercing light of Jesus. Not the smoke and mirrors of popular culture that promises the earth, but delivers global warming, but the radiant gaze of the beloved that penetrates our confusion, acknowledges our weakness, and loves us with a reckless, resilient love. We are the people of God. Christ is our King, and authority rests on his shoulders. Is the kingdom we are living in, striving for, one of cultural construct, one that we have built for ourselves to maximise our comfort, our security? Or are we living in the radical, the reckless, loving kingdom of God? This is not about doing more. It's about living for more. Receiving the love of God more. Loving those different to us more. Living without Christ as our King is merely surviving. God wants us to flourish. But in order to live this way, we have choices to make. It it takes those words that are individualistic, ego-centred culture has turned into negatives. Discipline, self-sacrifice, commitment. To submit to Christ the King may sound old-fashioned to some and may produce a wave of rebellion in others. But if this is so, is this just a reaction to our individualistic society? The word and life of Christ is full of paradox. Strength in weakness, 2 Corinthians. Receiving through giving, Acts 20. Freedom through serving, Romans 6. Dying to live. To submit to Christ the King is to flourish and to acknowledge that he alone gives our lives meaning and purpose. We are living in extraordinary times. We face many challenges as a nation, as church, and in our own lives. But today, we remember and we reclaim Christ as King in humble service, in radical love, mercy, peace, and forgiveness. Is the life we're living worth Christ dying for? As with all our communion services, we have the offer of prayer ministry in the vestry. If you would like prayer for anything this morning, If something has stirred you, if something has challenged you, then myself along with some others will be in the vestry and we would love to pray with you. Or if someone is on your heart this morning that you would like covered in prayer, we would love the opportunity to pray for them too. Let us take a moment and pray now. Father, 
We want to take a moment to rest in your presence. We come to you this morning, maybe a little world-weary, maybe a little tired. We ask that you would hold us tenderly in your arms and reassure us of your unconditional love. We ask that you would forgive us when we have forgotten to live in your kingdom. Forgive us when we have tried to manage our lives without you. Help us to remember whose authority we live under and encourage us to reach out with love to those we know and those we are yet to meet. For Christ is our King. Amen.